Hey, hey, welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm your host, Tom Morcus, and today I sit down with Brian Burney. Brian is a former Vatican Secret Archives employee and a best-selling author under multiple pen names. He blogs for writers and self-publishers at Authors Tech and is the co-founder of Book Ads, an agency that helps authors advertise their books through AMS and BookBub ads. In 2018, he hosted the first ever virtual summit for fiction writers. And I brought Brian on the call today to talk about book marketing and book advertising, what's working and what's not, how to make AMS work for you and things like that. I also wanted to have him share his experience from hosting his first ever virtual summit. Brian ran the Indie Novelist Summit for fiction writers in 2018, and it helped him go from like zero to thousands of engaged readers. Not completely zero. He wasn't completely starting from, from scratch, but you'll hear in the interview that it was pretty close. But basically add you know several thousand more subscribers to his email list and generate multiple five figures just from ticket sales of his virtual summit alone. And I got to work with Brian on that campaign, and he was a lot of fun to kind of coach and consult with and work work through this with because he had such a commitment to quality. And, and you'll understand that in today's interview when you listen to it. And so I have kind of two big takeaways. One is on the book marketing front, which is that Amazon is moving to this pay to play model. And that's the future of Amazon book sales, uh, at least, you know, in terms of like that versus organic, you're going to have to pay to get your book marketed on Amazon through their AMS platform. So fortunately, unfortunately, that seems to be the future. And the second big takeaway was on the virtual summit front, which is that they work. And so virtual summits, uh, you know, I won't explain what they are here, but if you don't know what they are, you can go to my blog, tomworkus.com slash virtual dash summit, and you'll be able to read a whole article, whole blog post on it. But bottom line is that a virtual summit, even in a seemingly overcrowded marketplace like fiction writing, where there are countless blogs and podcasts and people have run summits in and around writing and self-publishing, many of them, and it's just all competing for the same audience. Well, guess what? Turns out where there's demand, there's demand. And a well-run virtual summit can still be a great way to rapidly build an audience of your target market while putting your best foot forward with a very high quality educational product. So again, it, it, the importance there is not only finding the right niche, but then making sure that you know you over deliver on the quality of an event like a virtual summit. And then it can be an absolute win-win. So even if you feel like some of these things are kind of played out from like a tactical standpoint or something like that, I think there's actually a ton of value in running something like a virtual summit that is comprehensive and collaborative in nature. And it could still be a great way to grow a blog or a newsletter from scratch. All right. So we break it down in today's interview and I'm going to leave it at that. Without further ado, let's get to today's interview. All right. So Brian, the place I want to start actually is how you got to where you are today. So we're going to talk about book ads. We'll talk a little bit about maybe your the virtual summit that you ran and, and just like book marketing in general. But before you were doing all that, you know, what were you doing before? How'd you get into this online space? So basically, uh, let me just begin by saying that uh, I've been around books and publishing all my life, really. And I've developed an, an interest, in, an obsession in books since a very early age. And I actually took it to the next level, if you want, because I, um, after high school, I started studying history and literature. And I became, I became very interested in ancient books, medieval books. And I actually thought that was going to be my career, so a career in academia. And I specialized in, uh, in those subjects, and I actually ended up uh, working for, for the Vatican, for the Vatican Secret Archives. And I was a translator there. I was an archivist and a researcher, so I was um, 
around, you know, living, breathing <laughs> books all the time. And, and that was where I actually started with writing books rather than, uh, than only reading. And, you know, when I, when I was at the Vatican, the, the writing I did was all uh, academic stuff. So nonfiction and, uh, and very specialized uh, topics. And, I really never thought I could write something that was outside of the scope of my job. Um, but, you know, I, I was happy at my job and, uh, and I was happy with what I was doing. But unfortunately, um, a lot of things changed and a lot of things happened. And I was actually laid off uh, around when the big crisis hit in uh, 2008 and 2009. And so I was basically left with nothing because I had these degrees. I had, um, I had a lot of knowledge, but I didn't have any sort of practical skill that I could, uh, that I could use to, to try and carve out a new career for myself. So, um, I, I was lucky enough because I'm half English, half Italian. So I started giving English lessons and uh, I started working at a small language school. So that was, that was bringing in a bit of money for, for my, uh, you know, to, to live on. And I began being interested in, uh, in writing. And um, I actually stumbled upon uh, a very famous podcast in uh, in the uh, self publishing world, which is the um, the Creative Pen podcast by Joanna Penn. And I remember this opened my opened a world for me because I discovered self publishing. I discovered I could actually write books and publish them myself. I didn't need gatekeepers and I could actually write things most importantly that I was interested in so they didn't have to be uh, academic books they could be non-fiction books to help others in in various uh, areas of their lives they could be fiction books and like I said this opened an entirely new world up for me and I became absolutely obsessed. I started reading a lot on the subject. I started subscribing to podcasts like yours. And basically I was going to, you know, I would just take in as much as I could because I was, uh, I was in love with the subject. And uh, so I began writing uh, a few books and then a few more and a few more. And before, uh, before I knew it, I was actually earning a pretty healthy full-time income from my books alone. And I did this uh, through various pen names. Um, this started, uh, the pen name uh, choice started actually when I wrote my first book because I was very, very unsure about what I was going to do. So I thought, you know, I'm going to write it under a pen name and then if 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 everything fails, then nobody's going to know that uh, that I wrote this book. So, uh, but then I I just kind of developed a, a bit of a readership with these pen names, and so I stuck to it basically, and uh, and I haven't changed since. And a bit more recently, I started um, when I you know when I felt like I had a bit of experience um, behind me, I just started a blog for for authors at authorstech.com and um, and I began you know keep I kept on learning and learning as much as I could and sharing my uh, my knowledge with uh, with my readers and uh, and basically I'm full in on the uh, 
on the self-publishable at the moment. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So you, you know, I think you got your start, like at least how I did in a lot of ways. And I think how a lot of people do, it's like being just genuinely like compelled or intrigued by the subject matter and just diving in and trying to learn everything and then kind of experiment as you went. Um, it sounds like basically what you did. And, and it sounds like, I, I think, you know, you're kind of, you seem to still be in that mindset too. Just like as you kind of are growing and doing what you do and you're just continually like diving into new areas and testing into new things. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I think uh, I, I actually tested this out and uh, I, I learned this about myself that when I want to learn a new subject, I just kind of write a book about it basically <laughs> because, uh, you know, writing a book is uh, especially a nonfiction book when you want to learn a specific subject or, or, or an area of, uh, of knowledge, then writing a book really forces you to organize things in a cohesive manner and a coherent manner as well. So um, I keep on learning. I'm interested in, in a lot of things and probably the um, the latest thing that's, that interests me, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a bit later, but it's, uh, um, it's, it has become paid traffic for, for books. So I became, I became a bit more uh, specialized in book marketing as the years went by. And when the, like I said, we're going to talk about this shortly, but just to give you a brief intro, <laughs> um, when the new sort of craze uh, started with uh, Amazon ads and Facebook ads for books. I was completely hooked once again, and uh, I started learning and testing as much as I could. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely a lifelong learner, as they say. So, let's talk about uh, book ads for a second. Like, what's working in that space um, and what's not? I want to kind of do a zoom in, and then I want to talk about the virtual summit and some of the other stuff that you've been doing. Yeah, so um, I actually began uh, working with uh, book paid ads for books when Amazon ads basically were rolled out, um, and I've been testing a lot on those. And uh, you know, but I, I came from a place where I had a few titles, and I wasn't um, I wasn't forced to make a profit with these ads, so I was kind of you know, in a good place to start experimenting and testing lots of things. And um, the, the space has changed a lot in recent years. I mean, in the beginning, when these ads were rolled out and when, when people started to use Facebook ads for books, uh, it was a bit like, uh, I'm sure you remember the good old days of Google AdSense. You know, people would go on and advertise on Google and they would get extremely cheap clicks and and there are people who've made a fortune on uh, on Google AdSense, and the same was for Facebook and for Amazon ads. I mean, in the beginning, basically because it wasn't overcrowded, uh, you could just go in and basically set it and forget it, and uh, and these these ads would, uh, would would really revolutionize your career. But at the moment, um, what is working is uh, uh, basically. Was something that has always worked, which is testing a lot. <laughs> I I always uh, try to uh, to explain this to the reader to the authors I work with that testing is never 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 enough because what you need to really do is to you can read as many books as you want, you can listen to as many podcasts as you want, but if you don't do it 
And if you don't get your hands dirty, then uh, you're never going to know what works for your book because every book is different. And uh, what works for one book might be completely different from uh, from another. And another thing that is, um, is working at the moment is uh, what we found is because the space has become so crowded in, in recent years, um, something that is uh, a bit counterintuitive. So what you would normally use um, paid advertising for is to sell something that isn't normally selling. So if you've got a title that isn't doing that well, then you might think, you know, I'm just going to run ads on it and this this title is going to you know, resurrect and uh, and start selling again. But what we found is that, especially on Amazon and with Amazon ads, they tend to work a lot, lot better when a book is already selling quite well. So the importance of um, paid advertising for books is really very connected with the importance of launching a book really, really well. And I know, and I know that you know what I'm talking about because you obviously have, have had and have helped a lot of people launch their books. But if you launch a book well and then it's ranking, we usually tend to use the 30,000 mark as the bestseller ranking as a, as a ballpark figure. If it's ranking better than that, then if you add your paid traffic to the mix, then it's really going to move the needle and it's really going to be potentially, you know, very, very lucrative. But, you know, this is, is my recommendation at the moment because this, the space has become so crowded and, uh, and a lot of people are doing, uh, doing ads for books is, you know, test a lot, know your objectives, first of all, and obviously, like I said, execute a very good launch and then think about uh, paid ads. Good to know. When it comes to that, you mentioned obviously like, and I don't want to get like too into the weeds with it because I know it's going to be different for every book, but like, what are the critical things to be able to, to run ads effectively? You're given a sum where it's like on the back end of something uh, on a successful launch or something like that. Um, what are, are there any other things that need to be like considered just like in terms of setting up and being, make sure we're in the right position to take advantage of? Yeah, definitely. Um, a good launch, like I said, is uh, is going to be paramount for for the success of paid ads. But before the launch even begins, and <laughs> before you even begin thinking about launching, you obviously need uh, a few things that need to be in place uh, to maximize. And like I said, every book is different, but if you want to really have the best chance at making this successful, you need to have an excellent cover. And I know a lot of other authors say this, but very few people execute on this. So <laughs> a very good cover is the absolute minimum standard at the moment in the industry. So if you have a shoestring budget, so if you don't have a big budget, I suggest you know going all in on your cover. So have a very good cover. And especially if you're writing fiction in... Uh, uh, in particular, you should have a cover that is on genre, so you know consistent with your genre expectations and uh, and what readers are used to. So that is one thing: having a good cover, having the book very well edited, because you know as you can be the best writer 
in the world, but even the best writers in the world need their books to be edited. So that's another thing that you should never save money on, good editing. Um, so these are the, the two most important things, I would say. And the third, um, last but not least, is knowing your objectives. So it's not a specific thing that you can see. So it's not a tangible aspect of your book, but it's a very, very important thing. So what is your definition of success? Are you doing this because you want to make money um, from this book? Are you doing this because you want to hold a paperback copy in your hand? You know, really nail the objective that stands behind all, all that you're doing. So um, have all these things in place, have a very good launch, and then think about paid ads. I love it. And I'm um, definitely going to recommend they check out your resource for that. We'll have them listed in the show notes as well. You know, check out Brian's stuff on paid traffic. I know it's, it's some of the best and he handled my book ads for a while. And so I do encourage people to, to check out your work on that front. But I want to shift directions to uh, the summit you recently ran, um, kind of get your your insights and feedback on that. So you ran, recently ran a virtual summit. Tell me a little bit about the event and how it all went down for you. Yeah, so um, I basically started, I stumbled upon the idea of, uh, of summits quite a while back. And um, I was really intrigued about this, this model because I, I had never heard of it before. And it seemed like a very, very interesting thing and a very useful thing, especially for people who attend. And, you know, the first time I, I got acquainted with summits was probably three or four years ago. And the first summit uh, I launched was last October. So it took me three or four years to actually elaborate the, the idea in, uh, in my head that I wanted to actually do a summit. And part of the reason for that was that I'm extremely introverted and I am not a hundred percent native English speaker. So I, you know, being that a summit is so, so much focused on interviews and being on camera, I had a lot of fears, um, as you'd expect in uh, in that realm. But um, I kept, you know, I kept a, a close attention on what was happening in the summits that were being launched, and I saw there were a lot of summits on book marketing, and basically ninety nine percent of them were for fiction authors, for non fiction authors. Excuse me. So. Um, my idea, because at the moment, at the time when I started the summit, I was also starting a career and a new pen name in fiction. So I said, why don't we try a summit for fiction authors? Because I felt like it was, you know, a, a part of the author community that was really uh, underserved and, uh, and, you know, they, they didn't deserve that because a lot of, a lot of authors are fiction authors. And, uh, I was sure that I could make something valuable for, for authors in, uh, in the fiction space. So in, uh, October, last October, I, uh, I launched the Indie Novelist Summit. And uh, it was a, you know, we can get into the details obviously of this, but it was a great success. I mean, I, I began with uh, my usual fears of, is, is this going to work? Is this, you know, are people going to be interested in this? I'm nobody in the space. How can I get uh, people to, to even speak at my summit? And uh, I was proven wrong time and time again, and uh, it was a big success. 
Well, let's, let's talk about that. So maybe you can quantify big success for us, or maybe even before you do that, just say like, what did you expect? And then maybe you can give us some numbers, whatever numbers you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. So even before I began recording the sessions, I reached out to around 40 speakers. And in my, in my head, I thought, you know, if I can get at least 10, I can do a mini summit and, and I'll be happy with that. And to my surprise, uh, 38 out of those 40 uh, pitches went went well. So I had 38 speakers in, on my summit, and that was the first, you know, the first aha moment for me. And um, you know, I wasn't, I was absolutely unprepared because I was uh, expecting around 10 speakers, and then when I started getting all these appointments booked on Calendly about interviews that I had to do. I thought, well, you know, this thing is getting real now, so I better, uh, I better do something really, really good. And uh, my, uh, my objective was always to be, was always for the summit to be the best, you know, the best when it came to design, when it came to the topics and, uh, and when it came to the experience. But going back to the numbers, I, um, after I was uh, over this first hurdle, I then expected, you know, I said, I'd be happy if I make around 10 sales, 15 sales, then then I'll be okay. And to my, again, to my surprise, I, uh, I made over 400 sales of the All Access Pass, which totaled uh, over 30K in, uh, in, um, in revenue. And... Um, I had from absolutely zero uh, email subscribers for this particular topic, so for fiction authors. Uh, from zero, I went up to 4,500 subscribers in the space of five or six days. So I was, I, you know, when I think about it again and I think back and, and I look at that, you know, at when I was doing the summit, I'm completely blown away every time I think about it. <laughs> because it's been really, really great. That's great. And, and I'm sure on the, then the, the additional benefit there, besides just like the initial revenue and income, is what it means for the work you do now going forward. So now you have like an audience. So tell me a little bit about that like, and, and kind of what's been your experience with that like in terms of, hey, now you have people who listen and follow you and, and want to hear more from you. Like, what's that been like? Because, you know, if I, if, unless I'm mistaken, I, this is kind of the first time you've really kind of grown a platform, like a personal platform around your work, right? So yeah, what's that been like uh, to kind of get that, you know, just that reach so quickly? Uh, I know it was a long time coming like in terms of building the summit, but overnight or over that week or two period, kind of boom, lots of people. So now you have a lot of readers, subscribers, people who are interested in what you have to say. What's that been like for you? Yeah, that's been uh, incredible. Uh, you know, the first thing I uh, that came to mind when the summit was over and, uh, and thank you for also, you know, talking to me about this and helping me out with the, with this was once the summit is over, what do I actually do? I mean, the summit is great, but you can't, you cannot get that post summit or post launch kind of blues. And what am I going to do now? And am I going to be able to serve this audience well? And it's been absolutely incredible from day one. I mean, I had tried to grow mailing lists before with my nonfiction books, but I've never really been successful with uh, with the responsiveness of this list. And the first thing that that I can remember is the, the, the actual first email I sent after the summit, I had 
something like 60% open rate. And uh, it was an email where I was basically asking the summit attendees, both paid and non-paid, um, I was sending them a questionnaire, Paul, uh, to basically help me out uh, going forward on on the topics that they would like to uh, they would like for me to, to talk to them about. And uh, I remember that I was again expecting ten, fifteen uh, replies to this to this email, and I get, I had a sixty percent open rate out of forty five hundred email subscribers, and I had over four hundred uh entries in my uh in my survey so you know one of the best things is you know you you can obviously send uh here and there an affiliate promotion and you can make uh a few a few dollars here and there with with a list of this size but the thing that really touches me is the responsiveness of of having an audience like this because you know i can send an email today and i get you know, tens upon tens of replies with people who actually care about what I ask in them and, you know, actually want to help me out if I'm struggling with something. So it's, uh, you know, you can really see once you get an, an audience of, of this kind, you can really see why a lot of people in marketing say that, you know, the, one of the best assets of your business is your list. And, and this is, you know, really true when, uh, when you have a list like, like I do now. Where does that go for you then in terms of like, you know, you want to hear something like that. I'm like, that's so awesome. It's like, I feel like everybody would want to, you know, have 400 responses. You like, you know, exactly what your people need now, probably in so much depth. But, uh, but so the survey was a great, obviously, I think a, 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 a good strategy, a good push up point in terms of like, um, or a good, good strategy for post summit um, to figure out like, well, what is next? So you, you compiled that and you learned some things. Um, how are you putting in putting it into use what where does that go for you and some of the, the ways the ways you're now growing your platform well the the first, you know the first type of um you know the first way in which i i use this survey and and i've always got it you know i transcribed all of the uh, responses in the notebook because i'm a bit old school and i time <laughs> i uh, i try to keep notebooks and uh, write things out by hand. And um, the first thing it has helped me with is with growing my blog. So I don't, I never need to question or to wonder about what I'm going to write next because I have, you know, the people have, have told me what to write, you know, openly. They, they just said, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I'm unsure about this. So I have a complete roadmap of topics that I can use for, you know, I'm, I'm covered for years and years to come. So that, w- that is, in my opinion, the, the best use of, uh, of the survey. But on, on another level, the, you know, it's good if you want to um, sort of get a feel of deeper problems that people have. So I can address a problem with a blog post. I can address an issue with, uh, with a blog post, or I can start thinking about trends that I see in these responses. So if I see that a lot of people are struggling with formatting their books or are struggling with uh, cover design, you know, I can start to think about potential 
paid projects that uh, I can offer them. And I know that if I offer a project, for example, on formatting, I am not going to come across as salesy or as pushy because I know for a fact that people are going are looking for a for a solution to that problem. So again, that is that is one absolutely fantastic benefit of uh, of having of, uh, of having done this uh, this survey. Yeah, it's like a hack in a couple different ways. It seems like uh, you know, still a lot of work, obviously, but you know, I think when you when you put in the work and you do it right and you do it the right way, the the results, you know, you can't control what the results will be, but you can, you know, you can control your inputs. And I think the right inputs and you set yourself up for a lot of success. And obviously, yours did surprisingly well. You know, in your own words, uh, surprise to you even. Um, I I uh, I think it's like obvious why it happened because you just did great work on it. Um, but now you have that. I love the idea of like taking this content to now, like the survey, taking that content, realizing yeah, these are the things, and finding trends from that, like extracting the um, that that piece of information because like that is also kind of where my head's at a lot with like the the work I'm doing. Kind of like what does the future look like? Well, I think it I think the future kind of looks like being able to kind of like segment and think about how you talk to people in smaller groups, more personalized. And so with that kind of information, you kind of have what you need to start doing that. So now one of the cool things is you, you do a lot in this space. You're a writer yourself, you're a marketer yourself, you do ads, you do all that. You now have a platform. People are following you to learn more about fiction and, and just writing in general. Have you found that there's been any benefit to say the bottom line on the work you do from say ads or anything else like that? Like secondary, tertiary, like third order consequences, positive or, or negative, I guess, if, if there were any, but uh, po- uh, like any other second or third order consequences to the summit and to that launch and kind of where you're at now since it's been a few months and, and how things are going. Um, well, the, the summit keeps on keeps on coming back <laughs> to me, uh, and and I know that sounds strange, but basically I hear you know people commenting on the summit uh, almost on a daily basis. I get emails uh, about you know from people asking when is the next summit going to be and and all that. So the summit is is the thing that launched it all for me and the the thing that changed everything for me but you know we've said this but the tertiary and, and you know other benefits of this has been authority because people now write to me even if uh, if even if unsolicited so they write to me and they ask for advice from me and they know that they can talk to someone who is in the trenches like them, but they also know that I am an authority, that I have established myself as someone who is, you know, not someone who knows it all, but someone who's a little bit further uh, along the journey that is going to help them. So, um, the you know, there's a lot of talk about being an authority figure and uh, having an authority-based business, and having the summit for me is is really what what uh, what that has meant for me. I mean, becoming an authority in a space where even you know two or three days before the summit, I was absolutely unknown. So. Awesome. Well, that's, you know, again, I, I bring that up because I'm curious myself, like how things have panned out for you. Always like curious to see, you know, people have gotten to work with how things grow and scale and what they decide to do with it. You know, with the, the work we do together, like whether it's on a campaign or a launch a summit, um, you know, it, it is one of those things that it's like now all of a sudden you have so much, uh, 
you know, so much opportunity, I think is because there's a lot of opportunity, you could say just with an idea, but it's like, then you had to do all the hard work to kind of build it. Um, you're now there, you kind of have the platform, you're growing it. it. Sounds like you're being methodical about it and being smart. And you're, you're, there's a lot of benefits that are coming from that. Um, so, you know, I guess with that, that in mind, it's like, you, since you are doing a lot of things, would it, does it mean that, do you think you, you know, do you see yourself pulling back on anything in the future? Do you see yourself like, you know, cutting out or doing less of X, Y, or Z, or do you feel like you'll always continue to be somebody who's kind of like in the trenches doing the work, like paid advertising, writing your own books and selling books and stuff like that? Like, um, or do you think you'll, you'll roll that back and focus more on like things like the summit? going forward um i'm definitely going to be in uh you know in the trenches all the time because i you know this is not this is not work for me this is absolutely what i enjoy and and i think i'm blessed to be in a position where i can do uh what i really really love every day so i'm always going to be like i said a lifelong learner of these subjects um i am Definitely going to continue writing, but I am probably going to, um, you know, one of the benefits of content specifically on my website is that if you write, and I know you're a big proponent of this as well, if you write evergreen content, so if you if you write blog posts uh, or make videos that, you know, really, really stand the test of time, then you can actually cut back a little bit on on the product on the continuous production of, of content because then it becomes uh, a job of its own and and you can focus more on being you know of being uh, helpful with other people so I'm probably going to cut down once I have a very very big like very big um, catalog of uh, of evergreen blog posts on my blog but i'm definitely going to continue with summits and definitely going to continue writing yeah well i love it well brian it's always a pleasure to catch up i love the work you're doing i do want to encourage people to check out brian and the work he's doing but uh, brian if people are curious about connecting with you and reaching out to you where can they go and where should they look so my uh, website my blog for authors is authors tech.com and my agency for the helps uh, authors with amazon ads and bookbub ads is bookads.co thanks for having me tom i love it brian thank you so much for being on in the trenches man it was a real pleasure thanks are you trying to grow your online business but struggling to get new customers consistently and predictably are you tired of working non-stop only to see your income plateau are you ready to step off the hustle hamster wheel, as I call it, and step onto a path of predictable profit that you can scale as much or as little as you want? Don't worry, you're not alone. I've been there. When I first got started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I started reading blogs and listening to podcasts by people I respected and wanted to learn from. I slowly but surely put their recommendations into practice. But because I wanted to do it all myself, maybe you, you're something like that, right? You love to do, do it by yourself, learn through trial and error. Well, bottom line is it took forever. Results were unpredictable when I was first getting started. I wasn't sure where to spend my time, money, and energy. And shiny penny syndrome got the best of me on more than one occasion. For many entrepreneurs, the amount I sacrificed, working literally nonstop in some cases in my spare time, and 12 and 14-hour days routinely after going full-time, combined with the endless fog of war, aka that uncertainty that I had to deal with at all times because I was going it alone, I think that would have been enough for most entrepreneurs to throw in the towel. But I was persistent, focused, and I stayed humble. Day after day, I worked to grow the traffic to my website 
increase my list of subscribers and generate a healthy living for my ebooks, e-courses, and other digital products. At least that was the goal. But maybe more important than the work was that I paid attention to what I was doing, including what worked and what didn't. Eventually, I discovered a predictable pattern of growth. And so what I did was I just doubled down on those things and I scrapped or sidelined the other things that weren't working so well. Finally, two years after resigning my commission as a captain in the army and going full-time on my online business front with my blog, with my podcast, et cetera, I replaced my income with digital product income. Two years. And so if that's where it stopped, I would have been happy with it. I would have been happy with the results. I wouldn't have complained. I would have been very content just replacing my income. But the bottom line is it was so much work. I wanted to you know, see if it could go somewhere else, right? So I just kept doing what I was doing, but better, faster, and more effectively. Again, just kind of applying the same system that I discovered uh, from seeing these patterns emerge, right? So I implemented it. I kept doing it. And eventually, replacing my income turned into doubling my income. And then that turned into a little bit more and a little bit more. But not just that, it afforded me the freedom to dictate my day and also choose the projects I want to work on, on the schedule and on the timeline I want, and to work with the people I want to work with. And to me, that's like a whole new level of freedom, especially coming from the military. It's something I've never really had that level of complete autonomy until I became my own boss. I started my own business. And until ultimately, until it became profitable enough for me to start to take a step back and actually reap the rewards of it, because it's not all just working, working, working. And I do believe it's hard work. And I'll always say that nothing about doing this stuff is easy. But at the same time, you've got to reap the rewards at some point and take some of that profit, uh, even if you're just reinvesting it into new assets and things like that. Bottom line is, it can't just be work, right? Entrepreneurship and business is about that result that occurs, the value you've created and the profit, that, that piece of value that you've captured, okay? And you want to be able to reap the rewards of that profit, of that value, that little sliver of value that you get to capture, that you get to net, right? You want to be able to take advantage of that. Otherwise, you know, the entrepreneurship game really does become just a grind. And, and for, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, it becomes meaningless and that's when they quit. Well, for me, I love this stuff. I really, truly do. I mean, it is my thing. And so that's why I didn't just stop where I was at. I've stayed committed to learning everything I can about all aspects of this online business world and this online marketing world. And I do this through real world application. In other words, I'm currently growing several online businesses and I'm always putting my ideas to the test in real time with my own money, with my own time and energy, oftentimes with employees, you know, a lot of some, some stuff more advanced, some stuff more simple, but, you know, so varying levels of complexity and again, in different spaces, different niches. And I can say, you know, bottom line, I've always loved the startup hustle, but I got to say, it's nice to now be in a position where I can get big results with much less effort. Thanks to having built the foundation of my business the right way. And again, I did it all through trial and error, but I don't think that that's the way that everyone needs to do it. And in fact, looking back on it, if I had to redo it, I don't know if I would. It was so difficult to just go it alone and try to figure everything out by myself. So one of the things I've tried to do is give back with this podcast, with my blog, and with my newsletter. But maybe even more rewarding than any of this stuff, while I've enjoyed all of it, I think the thing that I'm enjoying the most, that I find most engaging and rewarding is the premium business mastermind and coaching program I run called 100K Academy. Inside 100K Academy, I help ambitious entrepreneurs who are very driven and excited to be doing what they're doing. I help them grow their reach, their influence, and their profit using my proprietary marketing system. That's the same one I use to scale my own online businesses from zero to multiple six figures and beyond. 
And the same system I use to help my clients reach the New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller list, set Kickstarter funding records, and create viral product launches that have turned into predictable revenue streams. So lots and lots of case studies that you can find at tommorcus.com. If you're curious, just go to tommorcus.com slash about, and that'll get you started. Most importantly, this system is one that 100K Academy members and alumni have used to achieve tremendous results, like Alexa, who used it to have her most profitable year ever, or Tina, who used it to make five figures from a sales funnel that she can now replicate and scale, and that's exactly what she's doing, or Carrie, who made over $75,000 in just seven days. And the crazy part about his story was that his online business was actually a side hustle up until that first profitable launch, which he has then been able to grow and scale. And he subsequently quit his job following that very successful week. And I think that that has been just a game changer for Kerry and the life he's living and the work he gets to do and the impact he gets to make on the world because of the great work he's doing now, because he was able to figure out a system that would get him the targeted traffic, the subscribers, the sales to grow a profitable online business. Bottom line, if you want to grow your online business from six to seven figures, but you flatlined or you're struggling, or you just want to be told what to do and when to do it and in what order, right? And you want a system that is predictable and scalable and isn't just you know another shiny penny, but actually will fit right into your business. It plugs in and is something that you can truly grow. I want you to go to tommorcus.com slash academy. That's tommorcus.com slash academy. Academy is spelled A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Go to tommorcus.com slash academy, and you'll find a page on my website with more details about 100K Academy, the business mastermind coaching program I run, as well as instructions on what to do next. Again, that's tommorcus.com slash academy. And if you're serious about growing your reach, influence, and profit, just follow the instructions and we'll be in touch, okay? Again, tommorcus.com slash academy. Go ahead and head over there now. That's it for today. Stay frosty.